Shalom, everyone. I hope you, um, you've had a good journey this Tishrei. Uh, it's really a journey from Rosh Hashanah into Yom Kippur. And we're about to come into Sukkot. And just before we do come into Sukkot, I always feel these five days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, uh, they're just magic. They're one of my teachers, Rav Raz, says they're yamim shel chesed, the days of kindness, because there's nothing you need to do. There's no, even when you pray, I, I, I keep thinking I've forgotten to say something special, and then I realize, oh, there's nothing special, it's just a normal day. And that's special now. Um, it's kind of after the intensity of, of Yom Kippur, just to feel this um, lightness of being is is also very special and uh i have to say i'm i'm loving it i my whole mood improved uh after yom kippur and i i feel i have the i'm ready i'm ready to go into sukkot now um i'm going to share a few thoughts about sukkot um those who know me already know a little bit how i work here. It's not that I have a thesis to, to push home. Um, I want to take you on a kind of associative journey um, around Sukkot. And we're going to start off with something that kind of caught my attention when I was reading, when I was going over the, the halachot of uh, building a sukkah. Um, uh, just a, a strange detail. Um, one of the halachot of building a sukkah is you, you can use any material for the walls of the sukkah, uh, including animals and including humans. You can use people to build a sukkah. Okay, it's kind of it's written down in, in different places. Um, in the source sheet, if you follow the source sheet, I bought the source in the Talmud and I bought the... Um, the summary uh, in Maimonides, maybe, maybe I'll read that uh, now. No, I bought the summary in the, in the, in the Maimonides' Mishneh Torah, and I bought a different version from the Shulchan Aruch. Maybe I'll read the Shulchan Aruch version now, because that kind of summarizes it. But if you want to get more into the juicy details, you can look at the source sheet. Um, it goes like this. Okay, it's kind of a dry fact. I'll translate. One can use a friend to constitute a wall to make the sukkah valid. Uh, and this can be even on the holiday, on the festive day itself, as long as that person doesn't know that they've been put there to be a wall. Uh, and if, if it's on one of the middle days of Sukkot, if you're building a sukkah in the middle of Sukkot, then uh, that's not so important. Um, 
That's very strange. Okay, so it seems that uh, there's two conditions. They, the person uh, can be a, a wall in the sukkah, but they can't know that they're a wall. What does that even mean? What What's going on here? Okay, and again, in the Talmud, there's different stories of uh, Sukkot, and also the same rule applies for making an Eruv, for being able to, to carry or walk in certain places. Um, on Shabbat and on festivals, you need, uh, sorry, on Shabbat, you need uh, an enclosure, and you can use people to do that, and to, there's all sorts of stories of, of that happening. Um, and if you look, I'm just taking a few different commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch that gave different uh, rules <laughs> about uh, what's going on there. Kafa um, Chaim brings different uh, um, commentators. Uh, says, yeah, that, that, that person who's a, who's a wall doesn't need to be tied down there. Right? So it's not the same as a, uh, an animal who uh, they say maybe the animal will walk away, but uh, here it says, no, uh, a person could just stand there as long as they don't know. I don't even know what it would look like. Right? I was trying to imagine what, how, how do you get someone to be a wall of a sukkah? Like I know they don't have to be holding the schach necessarily. Say you have, say you're in the sukkah and one of the walls falls down. Okay, and you need, in a sukkah, you need um, more than two walls, right? You need uh, two and a bit. Uh, so say you have a three-wall sukkah and one of the walls falls down. So you can call someone over and say, oh, can you just stand here a moment? And then while they're standing there, you quickly, you finish eating <laughs> or you start eating, right? Um, you drink, I don't know. You do one of the important things that, that has to be done in the sukkah. Um, but it's a bit weird, right? Uh, and especially if you look at the, the next comment of the Kafachaim, he says even all four, four walls of the sukkah, because you can have four walls of the sukkah made of people, uh, as long as they don't know what they're doing. Okay? So just now try and imagine that. Try and imagine calling four people over and say, hey, can you please stand in this position? Right? And there's a, there's a comment of the Bach in the Laws of Erevin that talks about the position that these people are standing in um, and their angles and how, how wide a person is and, and so on. It, so you have them stand in the, in the right width from each other Somehow there's some kind of covering above, and as long as they don't know what's going on, uh, you're in a sukkah. But as soon as they do know, you're not in a sukkah anymore. Okay, all on Yom Tov. Um, they say it's a Mishnah Brura says uh, it has to be Jewish people, right? Um, and I just want to leave it in a bit in a bit of a strange place. I I can solve it, right? I can I can find a very technical reason why, uh, why they have to not know that they're that they're standing there, right? Because 
if they know that they're standing there, maybe it, they'll come to build on uh, on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to build, so you you don't make it look like uh, like you're building or they're building. It has to be kind of a little bit of spontaneity. But I, I don't want to go to that place because I want to leave it strange. I want to leave it strange. We have this construction which is made of a material that can be human but not fully human, right? I, it's one of my favorite topics, the boundaries of human consciousness. Um, so here we have uh, here we have another example that, that understanding, comprehension uh, is, is maybe one of the boundaries between human and material, right? Um, you can't make a, a sukkah out of human humans, but you can make it out of material humans, which is human beings without understanding. Okay? Now, that language of da'at, of knowledge, it's interesting because it comes up again in the laws of, of building the sukkah. They, they, there's a famous discussion at the very beginning of the tractate uh, in the Talmud that deals with the sukkah, and they talk about why a sukkah has a maximum height. And one of the, one of the reasons given by Rabbah is, uh, it comes from the verse, So that your future generations will know, will know, right, knowledge, that your future generations must know that I, God, caused the children of Israel to, to reside in a sukkah. Okay? So there has to be some kind of knowledge in the sukkah. And that's why if, if you have a very huge sukkah, there's no knowledge because you don't feel the top of the sukkah. So there has to be a, a, a height where you feel surrounded by sukkah. Um, uh, and what's that about? Right? Um, so... It's interesting that there's, there's this aspect of consciousness in the sukkah, right? It's not just a technical, physical thing, right? The, there's a mitzvah of being in a sukkah, but what does it mean to be in a sukkah? It's not just to be placed in a sukkah. It's not just like a, a, like a, a person who's keeping sukkot, who's in the sukkah for the mitzvah. That being in a sukkah is different to the table that's in a sukkah. Right, the that that's what being in a sukkah. We're talking about like the phenomenology of being in a sukkah. It's to it's a uh, there's some some act of consciousness there. Not an act of consciousness. There's a there's a being of consciousness. You know, you are in the sukkah. Right. I don't know how to to say this without just uh, uh, kind of accentuating. The, the, the word being in different ways. You are in the sukkah. It's being in the sukkah. Right? That, that's what it means to be a human being in the sukkah. Um, and that's different from, from tables and chairs and all sorts of things like that. Um, and that's why there's something about the, the walls of the sukkah. Uh, it's kind of... It can be human but not human. Okay? It can be... Um, because uh, it's interesting that the, the law could have been you just use materials for building a sukkah and you can never use a living being but 
the, the fact that we're giving a halakha is saying you can use something which is like human, human but not fully human, that's already interesting. And I'd like to suggest a bit of a wacky uh, take on this. Right? I'm not sure it's the, the most simple uh, reading of it, but I'm inspired by, by Rabbi Nachman who says, as he does, he says, ah, sukkah, sukkah in gematria, so it has the same numerical value, the word sukkah has the same numerical value as malach, as an angel. Sukkah is an angel. What does that mean? What does it mean that sukkah is an angel? So, um, I learned recently something interesting of, of the Rambam, of Maimonides, who talks about, uh, he talks about different mitzvot. He talks about uh, tefillin, uh, mezuzah, um, tzitzit, and all sorts of like, ritual objects. Uh, which surround people, yeah, um, and he says, yet yeah, someone who has all these objects around them, someone who has a tefillin on their head and on their arm and tzitzit on their clothing and mezuzah on their on their doorpost, that person won't sin because he has lots of reminders, and these are angels. That's what he says. These reminders, these are angels that uh, stop him from sinning. And that's a very radical statement. Right? Hidden there in the laws of uh, mezuzah is, is the statement that what, what is an angel? It's uh, just a, an object that reminds you of something. It reminds you of some kind of um, either state of consciousness or uh, um, awareness of... of uh, who you are in the world and what you should be do- doing. So what does it mean if you have tefillin on your head and a mezuzah on your, on your door, you won't sin? It's not magic. It's not mezuzah stops you from sinning. But this mezuzah is, a, is like a visual reminder that reminds you, ah, actually, uh, he actually says, it wakes you up from your sleep. Okay? Uh, it wakes you up and you say, ah, actually, I'm... Uh, I'm a person who who knows what I want to do in the world, and I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I want to do the right thing. I won't sin. Ah, okay. And that's an angel. Okay, so let's project this backwards. Okay, remember Malach and Sukkah are connected, um, and Sukkah is also a ritual object that surrounds a person. So maybe uh, a Sukkah is also a reminder. It's also a, a reminder of a state of consciousness. And that state of consciousness is uh, um, that, that that we're um, important people in, the, in this world and uh, what we do matters. And uh, it kind of, we internalize the, all the lessons we've learned on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, if you sit in Sukkah, and you know something, right? There's an uh, there's a knowledge you get from looking around you at the sukkah, and you realize, ah, uh, actually, I don't control everything. I don't have uh, strong walls around me. I don't have a strong ceiling over my head. I'm not in control of my life, but nonetheless, my life matters. So it matters what I do. That will change who you are in the world, 
and that's uh, that's an amazing lesson. So, um, I don't know if if all of that was uh, a crazy journey I just took you on. I don't know if all the pieces of that puzzle really make sense, but I I enjoyed going on this, and I'm really looking forward to Sukkot, and I hope you are too. Chag uh, Sameach! Chag Sukkot Sameach!